December 27. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will come from the book of Revelation, chapter 18, verses 1 through 24. The harlot and the bride are each identified with a city, the harlot with Babylon, and the bride with heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly city will be the bride's home for eternity, but Babylon will be destroyed by God. The world's economy will be ruined. Now John, who had this vision and revelation and wrote about it, certainly had Rome in mind when he wrote this chapter. But his imagery means much, much more. It has relevance for you and me today. Babylon symbolizes the whole godless world system that caters to the appetites of sinful men and women. True believers have nothing in common with the harlot and her city and should be separated from them. In every age, the church has had to identify its own Babylon and separate from it. When God judges sinners, earth laments and heaven rejoices. Most people are concerned primarily with satisfying their physical desires. They are not concerned about the things spiritual or eternal. They live for the temporary and the immediate, not the eternal. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. December 27th, Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 24. After all this, I, John, saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon has fallen, that great city has fallen. She has become the hideout of demons and evil spirits, a nest for filthy buzzards, and a den for dreadful beasts. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her passionate immorality. The rulers of the world have committed adultery with her, and merchants throughout the world have grown rich as a result of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God is ready to judge her for her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to your people. Give her a double penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others. So give her twice as much as she gave out. She has lived in luxury and pleasure. So match it now with torments and sorrows. She boasts, I am queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow. I will not experience sorrow. Therefore, the sorrows of death and mourning and famine will overtake her in a single day. She will be utterly consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. And the rulers of the world who took part in her immoral acts and engaged her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, How terrible! How terrible for Babylon, that great city! In one single moment, God's judgment came on her. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple dye, silk, 
scarlet cloth, every kind of perfumed wood, ivory goods, objects made of expensive wood, bronze, iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and slaves. Yes, she even traded in human lives. All the fancy things you loved so much are gone, they cry. The luxuries and splendor that you prized so much will never be yours again. They are gone forever. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry. How terrible, how terrible for that great city! She was so beautiful, like a woman clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. And in one single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. And all the ship owners and captains of the merchant ships and their crews will stand at a distance. They will weep as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, Where in all the world is there another city like this? And they will throw dust on their heads to show their great sorrow. And they will say, How terrible, how terrible for that great city! She made us all rich from her great wealth, and now in a single hour it is all gone. But you, O heaven, rejoice over her fate, and you also rejoice, O holy people of God and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her on your behalf. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder as large as a great millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down as violently as I have thrown away this stone, and she will disappear forever. Never again will the sound of music be heard there. No more harps, songs, flutes, or trumpets. There will be no industry of any kind, and no more milling of grain. Her nights will be dark, without a single lamp. There will be no happy voices of brides and grooms. This will happen because her merchants, who were the greatest in the world, deceived the nations with her sorceries. In her streets, the blood of the prophets was spilled. She was the one who slaughtered God's people all over the world. Our attitude opens the door for God's transforming work to have its full effect in our lives. So you might say, well, Tom, what do you mean by attitude? Uh, here's, what it, here's the way I define attitude. Attitude is the outward reflection of the internal, of my internal emotions. Attitude is the outward reflection of my internal emotions. So uh, if my internal emotions are anger or frustration or indifference or cynicism or contempt, my attitude is going to reflect the thing, the emotion that's going on inside uh, our attitude has an impact on our, and, and an influence on our behavior. Now, I'm like most men, at least I, I think I'm fairly normal, and most of us men spend all of our life learning to deny our emotions, to, to completely set them aside, and uh, then we come into marriage. And most of our married life, our wife 
her goal, her interest in life is to connect us with the, the emotions that we've denied. And so over our 40 years of marriage, I, I can't tell you how many ta- times Jan has said, how do you feel about that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who, who cares how I feel? This is just what it is. And, and so she's asked me enough, and there's, there is a, I'm better, I'm a little more connected with my emotions than I was 40 years ago, but I've, I've found when she asked me about this that I answer in, with some, in some different ways. Like, she, she'll say, how do you feel about that? And I, I, I try and, you know, really go deep to, <laughs> to figure out how I'm feeling, and, and what comes out is I tell her the way I think I should feel. And, and she's not too satisfied with that. And so I go a little deeper and I come out with the way I think she wants me to feel. And she's not satisfied, I'm not satisfied, but I feel like I've been run through the ringer. And as a woman, what she knows intuitively or actually is there's a connection between the feelings and the face. And so when I'm giving her one of these answers and I, I, I say, uh, this is the way I feel, her response to me is, well, if that's the way you feel, why don't you let your face know? <laughs> because your internal emotions will get expressed in the external attitudes of your life. Psalm 146, verses 1 through 10. Praise is an evidence of life. Not just physical life, but the life of God in the heart. In heaven, it's all praise. In hell, there is no praise. Here on earth, we must make a choice. Praise is an encouragement to faith. When you have faith in somebody, or your doctor, for instance, you praise that person to others. When your faith is low, your praise will gradually subside. But when you major on praise, your faith will grow. Praise is also an encouragement to hope. When your hope is in the Lord, you can praise Him no matter what the circumstances may be. Faith is the upward look, and hope is the forward look. And those are two good places to be looking, upward and forward. Praise is an encouragement to love as well, your love for God and others, and God's love for you. When you love someone, you trust that person. And greater trust brings greater love. Life, faith, hope, and love all are bound up in the experience of praise. Psalm 146, verses 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God even with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When their breathing stops, they return to the earth, and in a moment all their plans come to an end. But happy are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the one who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He is the one who keeps every promise forever, who gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. 
The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts the burdens of those bent beneath their loads. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows. But He frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. O Jerusalem, your God is King in every generation. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 30, verse 33. As the beating of cream yields butter, and a blow to the nose causes bleeding, so anger causes quarrels.